Welcome to the Long Come Norwich podcast, an audio zine of the Norwich City Zeitgeist, bringing you zingers from Canary Zealot. Today, we spent a lunch break with Zoe Ward, one of the three executive committee members tasked with steering the finest football club in the world through these upside-down times. We'll be back more regularly soon, once the players start showing up for work again. In the meantime, here's Zoe. There's an obvious place to start, Zoe, which is that there's now a player that's been tested positive for COVID-19. Uh, obviously, we're not, not in the business of, of naming and shaming at the moment. Um, that may come up later on in the, in the week. Uh, but have you or has anyone at the club so far noticed any kind of wavering at all from any of the other players um, involved? How has, how has that kind of news been, been received by the, the wider club? I, th- I think you know it's something like that's always going to have a little impact um, because it's it's a first positive test, um, you know. And, and you know, even for me, I was like, oh, okay. Um, you know, I, the player um, was asymptomatic; um, had no idea um, that that he had COVID nineteen. So, I think it's been a little bit of a wake up call for everybody to understand how um, this uh, virus can be spread without you actually knowing that you've got it and that you are spreading it and and made us all a little bit more aware of how easy it is it is to spread I think sort of just on on the topic of kind of players and staff that are testing positive I think we you know we felt that it was really important at the outset that it, it comes down to that player or member of staff's choice as to whether they want to kind of disclose whether whether it's them or not. Um, you know, it might be whatever policy we implement, we've got to kind of, it's got to roll through the whole process. So, you know, if it's a member of staff next week, if, if we make a decision that we're going to announce everybody, we have to announce them next week. Um, so we took the view that let, let it be an individual person's choice. It's their own medical um, information and, and if they want to share it they can share it I think it's been a, an interesting reaction um, from on social media Norwich fans have, have done exactly what you'd expect which is um, show solidarity and say you know no rush to name if you're going to name them fine if you're not whatever everyone's everyone has the right to their own personal medical records not being public record um, but you know what's what is frustrating is, um, like so many things that have come out during the when you when the exec committees have been discussing the the restart options. Whenever there's been anything leaked about the potential of um, people wanting to do this or wanting to do that with the restart, um, there's been some cynicism coming from rival fans of you know the Leeds, the Liverpool's, those that are hoping to to get things regoing, as if there's almost been. Um, almost as if we, we would celebrate as a fan base that the fact that if, if we get a few more people testing positive, they might call off the season. How, have, how well are you guys ignoring the noise when it comes to um, knowing that, that there's that kind of immature backlash around from, from rival clubs about what we might want to do around the restart? Yeah, it, it's just ill-informed, isn't it? And it's speculative. Um, you know, the, the broadcast rebate alone um, determines that you know for for us as a football club we have to see this season out. Um, there is no um, defined position in terms of if if a season was curtailed. So if the, the season was curtailed tomorrow, that doesn't 
bring any level of guarantee that that we wouldn't be relegated. Um, you know, there's probably a stronger possibility that that we would be relegated. So, so for us, you know, we're determined to to see out the season. We want to try and play out um, and retain our position in the league. Um, and yeah, it is a bit infuriating, um, and and it has been there, and it has been the backdrop, and um, you know, we've seen it played out in the media a lot um, in terms of, you know, the so-called bottom six on, on some kind of mission. Um, I don't think that, that that's been fair. All, all we're asking for is to try and create a, a, fair, a fair as possible sort of scenario going into playing those last games. Uh, that you mentioned being played out through the media. A prime example of that was, was Stuart going on to... Um, Sky Sports News and giving what I thought was an incredibly um, fair-handed and honest, you know, I was a season ticket holder at Leeds, you know, I, I want everything to be fair. Uh, but then even that seemed to, seemed to get, the, seemed to be spun from those, those clubs who were so angry at the, the possibility of anyone not thinking that um, we can restart at any cost. Um, even that kind of even-handed interview was, was twisted into him, him saying, oh, well, yeah, you know, it shouldn't be fair for, for Leeds to go up. So um, it, mu it must be, he must have been frustrated that he, he in, in circumstances like that, when he has given a really fair answer, that he's still getting stick for it. Yeah, but I think we all understand it comes from emotion. Um, and, you know, and particularly when it comes from supporters, it comes from an emotional, you know, emotional point of view. I mean, it, it's quite, I suppose, quite ironic, like, you know, I was a Liverpool fan as a child, as <laughs> you was a Leeds fan, um, you know, and, and, you know, obviously, look, you know, they're two massive clubs that are about to, you know, have a really significant moment in their in their club's history and and they wouldn't want that taken away from them but at the same time um you've got to look at you know would it be fair to promote from from the football league um in the event that they they didn't play out their season um you know i think you know a lot has been spoken around sort of villa's position at the same point last year and um you know it, you can't get into a situation where, where you're trying to predict what the outcome would be. You've, you've kind of got to play it out. Um, otherwise, um, you, know, you, you can't just then determine, you know, who, who gets to uh, be in the Premier League. That's been, for me, I think that's been the problem with Project Restart from the start in terms of the English, the English pyramid is such that you can't just solve the Premier League because it doesn't exist in isolation. So if you solve the Premier League, you then need to solve the Championship. If you solve the Championship, you have to solve League One. And it's all well and good for um, Premier League and EFL to say, oh, well, we're, we're going to play and we've got the resources to do it safely. But they don't have that in League One, League Two, the National League. So I can see why the Premier League and EFL, are, or the Championship in particular, are going to try and come back. But... I think that's where the Leeds fans' arguments fall down, is that you don't just solve the Premier League and you say, right, well, Norwich are relegated and Leeds are promoted because it doesn't solve what happens from the Championship to League One, which is exactly the same issue. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. And look, you know, we're in a situation that nobody has ever been in before. Nobody knows the answer. Everybody is just doing their best um, to try and work their way through it. Um, and ultimately, you know, there there will be... Um, some supporters that are disappointed by certain outcomes. 
um, and others that that may benefit by certain outcomes and um you know it, it's all untried and untested and we've just got to try and do the best we can that kind of leads on to something I was going to ask. Really, it seems silly to to, to ask in a way, but you might have been. It might be a surprising answer. It, has this been the hardest period um, doing the job or a similar job to what you're doing now in, in football that you've had so far? I mean, it, obviously, as you say, it's a unprecedented challenge that those running football clubs are having to go through. How does this rank against other things that you've had to to deal with so far in your career? Um. It's just really different. Um, I think because in the round, other challenging times, you have much more influence and control over in in kind of resolving them. Whereas in these times, you know, we're we're all beholden to a virus um, that nobody really understands. Everybody's trying to work through. You know, I have some sympathy for government. You know, they're they're kind of being asked for the answer and they don't have the answer. Um, and, you know, and that was something that that I found very, very early on in this. Um, you know, everybody, you know, people were looking to, to the three of us for, um, for guidance and for leadership, but also for the answer. And, we, you know, so when are we coming back to work? When are we stopping work? When are we, you know, and, and actually we couldn't give that answer because we don't know you know we still don't know the pathway we don't know if there will be well, you know when supporters will be in the stadiums and and i think it's quite hard quite early on for people to understand that somebody doesn't have the answer um and i think that that's been a massive kind of mindset change of of understanding and accepting you cannot control what will happen next week Will you be reviewing the scouting network and the scouting set up that none of your scouts saw this coming? Like, you know, none, none, <laughs> you know the analytics guys need to take a long hard time. <laughs> How come you didn't find out about this global pandemic? No, I mean, as well, you know, on, on, the, on the football side, um, you know, there, there will be some challenging timeframes um, going, you know, between the end of this season and next season. We just have to adapt to that. Um, we're in a really good place in that, you know, despite the sort of economic impact of, of uh, COVID-19, we haven't got a gun to our head. Um, you know, there have been some harder summers in that, in that way, um, you know, where, where we've, you know, had to make ends meet. We've had to deliver a certain revenue um, in order to sort of sustain the football club. We're not in that position this summer. Um, you know, the marketplace is different, but we have an opportunity to decide whether we kind of enter that marketplace. Um, and that, that's a better place to be. And I think in terms of, you know, that, the whole club, um, you know, we, we've been saying over the last few weeks that, you know, culture, cultures are brilliant. And, and you're kind of, you know, when you're winning the championship and you're having promotion parades and everything and you're going, yeah, you know, we've all got, you've got this brilliant at the football club and everyone's positive. And, and it's, it's times like this where, you, you know, you, you're facing relegation, you're all working on things like, you know, every hour, every day on Project Restart, you're in the middle of this pandemic. That, that's when your culture really, really gets tested. And, 
you know, we've been overwhelmed at how everybody's kind of just responded. They've dug in. If they haven't got much work to do because there isn't the work, they've volunteered, they've been ringing supporters, they've been putting together food parcels. Um, and actually what I think has been the most rewarding piece is is really seeing how that culture's held together and is, is, and is getting us through this. Do you think in that regard that, all the work that you've done since you and Stuart joined is sort of paying off now because as an as a sort of outsider, but looking in, it seems like the work that you've done up until this point makes Norwich in a much, much stronger position to deal with this kind of thing than say a Villa, a Bournemouth and other clubs who are similar sized, but maybe not so adaptable and so well run well enough that this sort of thing can happen. Yeah, I mean, I, th I think as well, I think the the shared leadership position, you know, is it's very unique in football. You know, we've moved away from that chairman, that chief exec model, that very sort of hierarchical model. And actually, that's really helped us during this time because we've been able to cover so much ground between the three of us um, that, you know, one one person on their own wouldn't have been able to achieve um, because actually, how can you focus on diversifying some areas of your business while you're trying to lead on project restart while you're trying to get your players on board you know there, there's too much to go at and actually that that shared dynamic has, has really helped during this time i think also you know collectively the financial decisions that that we took last summer um you know we took them for different reasons but you know they're, they're massively paying off now because they're we're, we're in a much much stronger position and like i say you know we because we have been through some tough times over over the last sort of two and a half three years um and there, there's been some really difficult periods some really tough periods of transition um that actually whilst this is a challenging time we have the strongest collective group of people possible to get us through it and, and that's where, like you said, I think the work that's being done is massively helping us at this moment in time. That probably includes the no dickheads policy as well in the squad. So, you know, the, the, that, that idea that has been made public, you know, before that um, the last two, three transfer windows, some of the churn has been to try and get the right characters in the dressing room. Um, Likewise, when you are really up against it and, or when you're taking on unprecedented circumstances like this, you really do need those glue guys, as they're referred to, to, to help pull everyone together. Is, has there been, you mentioned um, the volunteering, you know, seeing Zimbo dropping things off and the, you know, the, the kit lads doing, doing fantastic work and dropping off bags and bags and bags of merch to, to vulnerable people. It's fantastic to see. What about behind the scenes? Have, how have, the, have there been some senior players or senior personnel that have really stepped up with morale within the team or within the coaching staff or just within the staff at the football club generally? Yeah, I think there have been. Um, I think that, um, you know, I wouldn't want to kind of name names because there's a lot of, you know, a lot of different individuals where, um, you know, they've kind of just gone and, and stepped up. I think on the playing side, um, keeping, you know, some key players keeping the group together keeping the positivity together i mean they you know they've all come back with a really positive mindset you know there wasn't anybody that was like i'm not coming back i don't want to come back why am i doing this you know everybody was you know they they were all together whenever we've had 
um, group calls. Um, there, there's always been a really, really strong togetherness. Um, but yeah, you know, we've had staff across the whole club that, like I say, you know, a member of staff who actually hasn't got much work to do at the moment because of the nature of his role, has coordinated a whole volunteer programme, has got staff together, deploying them out in the community. Um, you know, like I say, you know, and, and probably people maybe that haven't necessarily sort of been on your radar quite so much have started to cut, you've gone, wow, God, you know, like you really have the values and behaviours that, that we want in people at this football club. And it's been really good to see. It's on the on the group of players, um, we we heard last season, um, I was going to say at a similar time. No, we didn't because the season was well <laughs> finished last season. Um, <laughs> uh, similar sta- a similar state number of games played last season. You know, we heard about we are managing two budgets, one for the Premier League and one for the Championship. So you will be doing the same again this time round. Um, we know that we've obviously got you know, someone through the door, maybe a couple of others, not 100% signed off, but you know, one publicly through the door in Slomani. How, how difficult, you mentioned a shorter summer, is it going to be bearing in mind that there's presumably some targets that there's just no way you're going to be able to go for unless you can offer them Premier League football? Um, are there any others a bit like um, Slomani whereby you feel that either league we probably would be looking to bring them in? And, and will you be going for more targets like that because you think, it's it's a better return on investment of your time like doing research on those deals now yeah i mean i think there's two things i think that there will always be young opportunities to bring in young players which is you know what the guys really really focused on um and we will take those opportunities or, or they will take those opportunities irrespective of which league we're in and what what might adapt in that is that then their development pathway so for example if you know maybe you brought a player in and you thought well if we were in the championship you might put him in the squad but if we were in the premier league you might send him out on loan for a year and see where he gets to so you might just you know alter alter a player's pathway so you know we're we're never going to be a club that kind of buys for the Premier League or buys for the Championship. We we kind of have to create that hybrid um, with that pool of young talent underneath that, that we know that we can develop um, and, and just adapt their journey accordingly. So with that in mind, um, who who does what in, in kind of a transfer? I mean, but again, you don't have to give us complete specifics, but feel free to be as specific as you like. You know, generally, we've got this shared ownership and and Ben Kay is big on the fact that he said makes it very clear that he's the the business guy you know he's a commercial guy and he doesn't you know dabble he's not kind of bringing lists of names to you to say please can you sign I mean maybe he is um (laughs) but uh, but he might just say I saw this guy match the day last night (laughs) (laughs) Um, but yeah so generally how does that break down who are of the names that we might be familiar with and maybe a couple that we aren't familiar with um kind of the, the, the chronology of highlighting a player to to the exec committee for, for approval and right through to kind of the negotiating. Who wears which hat during that kind of process? So I don't think that's something that we're really aware of as fans. Okay, so um, ultimately, you know, a player decision will be um, kind of Stuart Daniel and decision. Um, so we, Ben and I, for example, would never have any input into um, 
signing off on a player you know it's not like the guys kind of bring bring a list of players to the three of you know to the executive committee and we have a, you know a view or an opinion we we massively respect and understand that that is not our skill set that is Stuart Daniel and Kieran's skill set um to identify the player um what they will then Stuart and Kieran will then do um one or the other or both will kind of get the deal to the point where they're kind of like right this player is likely to be coming and this is what we think the deal will look like or this is the headline numbers that we've agreed um so they they will have done the background you know the discussions with the agent what's the player on now um you know what are the club looking for what do we think you know um sort of the the terms would be um so so when it sort of almost sounds like you know like when we get that deal it's kind of almost you know like agreed in principle i suppose so what what we will then try and do is kind of uh in the first stage sort of like optimize those numbers so say for example there's like contingent sums built into a sale we would want to make sure that we have the best possible opportunity contractually to be able to achieve those contingent sums you know so that might be the difference between you know getting an extra million on a deal um in the long term by the ability to be able to kind of hit hit those numbers um and then so what we'll do is we'll we'll kind of take the information that we're given and then we will kind of try and bring all of those constituent parts together so you've got obviously agent agreements you've got player contracts you've got transfer agreements so you've got all of the different parties that are involved and and we're then kind of contractually trying to bring them all together so that you you're creating kind of harmony within that contractual position and and everybody's kind of getting across the line at the same time um you know and in the time frame and sometimes those time frames might be quite quick so you've kind of just got to work and juggle and 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 then try and get to uh where we need to get to i think sort of in terms of kind of as involvement like there might be situations where you know the the guys are bring a deal and it's so straightforward and it kind of gets papered up and it gets done you know like it might be a free transfer so the player terms are really simple. There's no other club. It gets paid. It gets done. You know, within a matter of hours. And then you might have other ones where you know you get, you kind of get the call from Stu, which is like, uh, yeah, um, I've got an interesting one for you. Um, and it's generally like they've got an opportunity to do something, but within the kind of regulatory framework, it might be quite complicated. Um, it might be a lot of work to do in a short space of time. So, like the the deal to do Emmy on a pre agreement, we I think we literally had about um, a day and a half or something. To, you know, and so so they'll bring that really early on in the process because they'll be like, right, this is hit. Can we do it? Can we deliver it? How are we going to do it? And then we'll kind of work through the how we can make it happen. Um, and, and the sort of pathway that, that we would see to get the deal done and then, you know, work with them alongside to, to get that done. What about selling Norfolk and Norwich to the players? Um, has there been, an ex we've obviously brought in a lot of players in your time here that might not even have been able to point to Norwich on a map if they were honest with themselves. Um, <laughs> and therefore, is, there, is that a... Um, 
is I know because I know we have liaison. I know we ha- we help people get set up, etc. Once they once they once they're here, but is has there been an example with some of the lads for whom Norwich might be their first visit um, that you you've needed to I don't know put together a slide deck, PowerPoint presentation, you know, show them an episode of Alan Partridge. What have you what what have you done to to get those deals over the line to sell Norwich as a place to live? I think, I mean, it kind of, Stu always works on a bit of the premise of if we can get them here, we're done. (laughs) I I think, um, you know, it is such a great place to live. It is such, you know, a great place to be that, um, you know, if we can convince a player to come and visit, we think, you know, particularly now, like the facilities at Colney, um, you know, take them around the city, you know, if you want to live in a city, there's a city, if you want to live in rural areas, there's rural areas, you know, there, there's so much to offer. I think also now as well, because of the diversity of the, the squad, you know, generally, if you're bringing someone in, they they might be known to somebody already, or they, you know, that we've got somebody else who's from, you know, a similar, same country, and, and so you can just in sort of open up that dialogue for people to um to get their experiences i think it's also probably helped that um you know we've got a lot of staff now that have moved um you know we've moved so when you know stuart's talking to somebody um a player about coming over um to move here and maybe they've got a family you know he can talk from personal experience of, of what it's been like and and i think that that's sort of really helped the situation as well so are there any parts of um the the negotiation side of things where you're um okay so to frame this question what made me think of this question is i i don't know if you you've had a look at all at um the the netflix documentary uh, Sunderland till I die, which is like a behind yeah. the scenes final. Um, yeah. uh, one, <laughs> would you guys ever consider something like that um, to to obviously help balance the books? Uh, no, <laughs> I. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like celebrities, Zoe. <laughs> do you remember when? Um, do you remember when they did the Liverpool one? Yeah. Um, I can't. I can't even remember what it's called now. Um, but I, I had a few fleeting appearances in that, um, and uh, I've never even watched it because I couldn't even bring myself to watch it. Um, and yeah, it, it's just not something that um, that we would uh, we would want to do. Yeah, I vaguely recall you mentioning the the Liverpool documentary previously, and they co- didn't they capture you in an airport uh, abroad somewhere on a scouting mission with Damien? Camoli, and you were trying to keep it hush hush. No, no, it wasn't. It wasn't in the. Uh, I don't. It wasn't in the documentary. It was. Uh, we were. We were trying to uh, be uh, discreet about where we were, um, and um, it was actually Amsterdam Airport, which probably leads you to to the player in question. Um, and we, yeah, we were trying to be discreet. There was quite a lot of press waiting back at, at Liverpool Airport, and we were actually late for our flight. So there went out a massive, like, you know, the loud tannoy, uh, tannoy call of Camoli and Ward travelling to Liverpool on flight, da, 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 da. <laughs> <laughs> their way to the departure gates. <laughs> and the opportunity to kind of be kept under the radar was gone. But yeah, so the, the other, the, that was the reason I, I thought to ask, but the, the, the thing I wanted to ask 
from watching those those things, particularly the second one where I think the, the, the most recent series where I think you saw a bit more of uh, Deadline Day. Um, uh, how important do you guys find it to kind of stick with your stick with your gut on things, um, or do you find actually no, we're, we're an analytics first, we're a data first club, and it, even if it's the difference of ten pounds, if we've come to the conclusion that this player is worth X amount doesn't matter the fact they're playing hardball we will not go above that because we know they're going to bring us 14.6 assists over the next three years or whatever your analytics tells you because i just wondered how 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 much emotion can affect your head in kind of decisions like that when it comes to deadline day and um, um windows. yeah it, it emotion comes into it um and you have to work out sometimes when you are being emotional so um i suppose just to kind of take the first point when there's no kind of we don't have like a hard and fast cutoff point as such so um what we will do is we will go through that negotiation and then at some point whether that's even before we're involved Stuart and Kira might go, no, we're done. You've pushed too far. Um, or we might get to the point where we've agreed the, you know, the principles and then we, you know, Andy, the club secretary or who who leads on on most of the player stuff now, we'll we'll be kind of going through and we're going, you know, and they're pushing and pushing and pushing, and you'll just go and you'll get to that point where you just got knows, no, you're going too far. Um, and you know we might go back then to to Stuart and Kieran and go hang on a minute like this is getting beyond the point that you you thought the deal would be um what's your view what's our view um you know and and at that point we might kind of go actually collectively we all agree no we're just gonna go right now we're done um or you know, if one person is slightly more emotionally involved in it, so they might have been at the forefront of dealing with the other person, um, the other, you know, they might go, actually, no, look, we're quite comfortable. We think we can go, we should go an extra whatever. And, and like, I suppose, you know, you have periods. And going back to kind of uh, my time at Liverpool, I... I worked on a deal literally kind of non-stop for three days leading up to deadline day and it was a a fight and a battle just constantly and and me and this other guy it was just to and fro to and fro to and fro you know and and it kind of got to that point where the relationship had just broken down we absolutely didn't like each other um we weren't going to give in to each other and you know, in those situations, you have to kind of, you know, like I just went, do you know what? Someone else in the team needs to just finish this off now because we have gone too far now down this road that actually neither of, you know, the two of us can can do it without falling out. So let's hand it over, take the emotion out, take the ego out and, let, you know, kind of get it done. And and you, I think you've just got to be quite self-aware and know when you know someone else needs to pick something up or someone's got a better relationship with somebody than you have and and like i say yeah just you sort of take that ego out of it and and it's all about getting the best deal so knowing how hard that is you know you 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 know you did a brilliant job explaining kind of how those challenges do you therefore do you remember that when for example 
Buki scores a goal or Emmy gets an assist? Because this is what I wanted to ask you. Do, do you guys, the commercial guys, um, you've not scouted them. You've not gone and, you know, done hours and hours watching them take free kicks and decided they'll, they'll solve our free kick problem or whatever. Um, do, do you look back and remember that? I mean, we don't do a lot of deadline day stuff, but do you remember that difficult deal or that really creative idea you came up with to restructure it over three years instead of two to say free up a bit of money, whatever? When, for example, Emmy does something amazing or Pookie does, you know, are there particular players who the deals were either difficult where you do a little private fist bump when they do something great on the pitch because you think, I helped make that happen? Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. There's, there's, there's always, the deals that always feel more rewarding. Um, because maybe the background story to getting it there, um, you know, it's like um, you know, like Luis Suarez came on, scored his debut, scored on his debut. You know, that was a moment where you go, actually, no matter how hard we've all worked on this, that was worth it for that moment. Um, you know, the same. Um, you know, James Madison was one that that I I did um, when I was at the club previously. And, um, you know, we, we did that deal with, I think it was one and a half minutes spare on the clock. You know, I mean, it, there was literally paper on the floor everywhere. Um, and, you know, to the point that, you know, you're, I'm not really sure what we've sent in, but we just hope that we... I don't know who we've signed. We didn't even have the player with us, you know. The player was at St George's Park. The agent was somewhere else. You know, it came to us so late in the day. And they're the ones where, you know, if you, you want the challenge, you just kind of go, you know, like that was one where it was like, I don't think it was three o'clock in the afternoon, We've got this opportunity to do James Madison. This is what it is. Can we make it happen by, you know, 11 o'clock? And it's like, do you know what? Why not? Let's have a go. Um, and there's nothing like a bit of a deadline to then focus your mind on negotiation because actually things sometimes, you know, if you've got three days, you might argue over the smallest point, which when you just, you know, you've got three hours, you go, yeah, come on, let's just get this done. Have you ever had one in the reverse? Um, so, like again, to think of behind-the-scenes documentaries, the Leeds documentary where they had Dan James sat there, contract signed, photos taken, everything's done, and then they can't get the absolute sort of final word go. Have you ever had a similar one to that, where you've had one as good as done and then it's fallen down for whatever reason at the last minute? Not, not so much. I mean, we we would um, generally not put ourselves like we would always want to try and make sure that the club deal is done before we kind of go down the route of a you know the player deal because um if you get the player deal done and the players in the building that makes negotiating the club deal harder because the club are like the players there you want him you're all emotionally involved in this now we can ask for more money so um, if you can get the club deal done first, then, then you're in a much better position, I always think. Um, and, and you're kind of like, right, tick, okay, we can move on and, and, and work with the player deal. Um, I have had situations where we've kind of had a player, not a Norwich, but another club where we've had a player in a helicopter kind of circling London on deadline day with kind of two options um, and neither of them actually ended up materialising and they ended up on a train back up from Houston, you know, like, so you, you, have, you do have moments where, 
you know, you do work on stuff that, that just doesn't end up happening. Um, and, um, yeah, you, you kind of, you know, it, it is a bit flat because you kind of invest so much in it and then it's kind of, you know, it, it doesn't happen. But, um, yeah, there, there are some like that. You tell the story there, James Madison, paper all on the floor, last minute deal. Had you not have said, had you not rolled your sleeves up, had you not have got that done with 90 seconds to spare, how many incredible moments would the fans have missed out of from with him? And think of just commercially how much that deal has bought the club in terms of, you know, being able to, his, his wheel sale, and presumably there's still the potential of more add-ons as well with, with, with further England appearances and, and what have you, what else was, was in the deal, sell-ons, etc. So, um, is there, a, is there another one, so putting him aside, is there another one who may be on a lower level you feel the value that we got as a club, you know, you negotiated or we, we got. Um, is, is there a player in the building at the moment who you feel we got incredible value out of? And, and putting aside Pookie, because that's kind of obvious. And Emmy, surely Emmy's obvious. Well, I was going to say, yeah, Emmy, Emmy's up there. I, I mean, I think that there's, there's lots in this, in this squad. Um, you know, Tim Krull. Um, Good you know, again, that you know that was okay. He was um, he was on a free, but you know it. It literally, you know, sometimes you kind of hear names repeated, names, names, names. You know, and you kind of know that. Um, and then other times, you know, like literally, like Tim Crawl was just like, boom, we've got the option to do Tim Crawl, and it's like the guys are like, right, we want to do Tim Crawl, and then. Uh, you know, and I always remember with that one, it was like we we always kind of try and pride ourselves on responding really quickly. And people, players that are coming to us, we want them to feel like we want them. Um, and so, you know, if we get, you know, some contract terms or, you know, and it's like, right, we want to do something with, with Tim Crawl, we need to get a draft over to the agent. You know, it doesn't matter if it's Friday night, it's Sunday morning, that will happen and we will get that over to them because what, you know, what we can't afford for, for players to do is go, oh, well, I haven't had anything from them and the phone rings and there's another opportunity and, and you've missed your opportunity and, and it's gone. So one of the things that, um, we always really try to work on in my team is just to act really quickly, really, really fair. You know, don't, don't send over drafting where you've tried to be so creative that it doesn't really match what they thought was agreed, you know, or don't miss things out and think, oh, well, we might get away with that. You know, if that's what's been agreed, reflect that in the drafting, be fair, and then you're kind of, you know, you're starting to build a really good relationship for going forward. It amazes me and doesn't amaze me at the same time that more football clubs don't just do that. It's just like, it's just a matter of principle. Like, we want to sign you, so we're going to show that we want to sign you and we're going to be fair and we're going to stick to our word. Like, it's not amazing when you see um, how most Premier League clubs are run, but it's amazing that most Premier League clubs aren't run like ethical businesses but you could say the same about businesses in general why are not more businesses running an ethical kind to their staff and kind to their stakeholders way it's just down to the people at the top and as Zoe said it's down to the culture yeah and I and I think that sometimes and and you know and this is this is quite a hard thing but you know particularly if you if you're um you know a tough negotiator people want to feel like they've won and 
like I always take the view, if the other party has to feel like they have won for us to get the best deal, I'll sacrifice that. Like I don't have to feel like to them, I don't have to be the winner. Like, because I know that ultimately I've got the best deal for the club or we've got the best deal for the club. And that is the most important thing. So if I have to sacrifice, you know, you know, and, and be seen to be a little bit weaker or what, whatever it is that, that we need to do to achieve the outcome that we want, we will do that. And, and that means sacrificing the ego, which, you know, some people just cannot let that go um, and want to feel like, yes, I've got the deal and I'm the man and all of that, you know, and yeah, that, that's sometimes where that kind of comes from, I think. So who taught who who taught you the most? Do you feel? I mean, obviously Liverpool, incredible club, and you just named you know where well, you alluded to one and named another huge profile transfer that you were involved in. What what what's kind of your go to uh, either uh, messages in your head from think from someone who's taught you things? What what were the who do you put down as your main kind of mentor that taught you to be the negotiator you are? Um. I, I wouldn't sort of pinpoint anybody in particular. I, I've worked with lots of different people um, with with different kind of approaches. Um, I I sort of feel like I found my own path um, in a way. Um, you know, I I sort of very much try and negotiate from a po- starting point of kind of building the relationship, um, building that trust, building that respect, um, you know, because quite often you're trying to get, you know, a lot of different people across the line, but they might be from, you know, different cultures, different nationalities, you know, approach things in a different way. And and so you have to, you have to be the one that adapts. So you have to kind of adapt your style, you know, to, you know, dealing with a German club is very different to dealing with a Spanish club. And so you can't have the same approach going into that as, you know, you you have to adapt to get the right outcome that you want. And so, yeah, I, I just think, you know, always, always building that kind of fair, honest, open, respectful kind of um starting point helps help sort of move move you forward and and then you have got to be tough you've kind of got to go right no you are you have gone too far (laughs) (laughs) so on on the subject of respect and and obviously equality is is currently a huge uh, buzzword for for multiple reasons um have you have you found uh any issues at all with with gender with regards to you doing the negotiation you doing the deals have you have you ever had any kind of inkling at all of someone uh being disrespectful of your credentials and and your ability to kind of do the deal or, or has everyone always acted in in a perfect gentlemanly fashion um you get mixed mixed sort of um i think sometimes it can work for you um, because sometimes people will maybe think, oh, you know, like being female, you might be a bit softer. And, um, you know, somebody that I used to work with um, said that I was the ki- a killer with a smile. 
because I'll always get what I want, but I'll do it there's with... The, there's the podcast title, Tom. <laughs> I'll do it with a, uh, with a smile on my face and, um, you know, and in a friendly way. Um, so I think... Um, but, look, you know, I, I sit... I've sat in rooms with... And, and probably more so sort of not on the football side because I suppose on the football side, you know, I've worked in the industry for you know, 20 years now. So, you know, I know a lot of agents, a lot of people at clubs. I've grown up with these people. Um, and so there's, there's a lot of mutual respect there. Um, when you do come across somebody new, that's when you kind of do see it sometimes. Um, you know, I, I did have somebody sort of make, uh, uh, when I've been at Norwich, sort of make a comment to me about, you know, sort of saying, oh, you know, you never know, one day you might, you know, work at Liverpool or Manchester United or, you know, like in quite a patronising way sort of thing. And I was like, oh, yeah, okay, maybe I will. Um, and, you know, and I, I've sat in, you know, I've sat in meetings with um, with Stuart or with Ben next to me and, you know, the person the other side of the table talks to them mm. and ignores me. Like and actually, both of both of them spot it more than I spot it. Um, and um, but to me, that just says to me, do you know what? You know, if that's somebody in an interview, you're not for us. Yeah. Um, you know, or if that's a, a partner or a supplier, it's like, do you know what? You're just not the kind of person that we want to do business with because, you know, you you see like this kind of preconception of hierarchy that must be, you know, male in their forties or whatever. And, and you're kind of like, you know, we've, we've got to move away from that. To kind of uh, paraphrase the person of, you know, one day you might grow up and do something better. Um, what is your, um, what kind of goals do you have in the game? What, what, what kind of things would you, would you love to be able to achieve either with Norwich or, or in, in the future with, with another club? I think what um, what kind of Norwich has given me is um, the sort of ability to kind of spread my wings. Um, so, you know, I was, um, you know, like I say, you know, sort of I've grown up in football, but I grew up in that kind of club secretarial world that, you know, the football administration, rules, regulations, all of those kind of things. And, you know, and I still oversee those areas at Norwich, but what Norwich has given me is the ability to kind of take those skills and, you know, I now um, oversee like, you know, our HR department, for example, which means that you can actually, you know, influence the whole football club, um, you know, uh, legal engagement. I randomly oversee catering, um, which, you know, is, is something that I've never, ever done before. But what it's really done is is enabled me to kind of go actually do you know what the skills that i've learned working on the football side of the business are transferable and you can lead other departments and other teams you've just got to make sure that you have the right people around you um who are the experts in in those areas you know i i can i can lead a legal team but i'm not a lawyer you know um but I know and understand, um, you know, the direction of travel that we want to go in and what we expect, um, you know, and, that, and that's the most important thing. Um, so at the moment, I'm kind of in, enjoying that journey, really. I'm enjoying the, the growth that, that the role is giving me 
um, and the ability to kind of yeah spread spread my wings and affect more areas. Because that's something that interested me in an answer that um, one of your colleagues, Ben Kay, uh, he, he actually answered a similar question. I think it was on a corporate partners call, um, and he actually said, whenever I'm asked that question, everyone always assumes it's going to be a football club. And he said, actually, uh, you know, th there's absolutely no guarantee that it will be a football club. You know, wh where I go next. Because actually, you know, as to kind of go off the back of what you just said, there are so many transferable skills. You know, you're running a, success, a successful large business and or running lots of different facets of it. So therefore, there's loads of opportunities within kind of the private business world where you can say, oh, actually, I've done that. I've managed loads of people. I've run a legal team. Head, head your own catering company. Now you know how to do that now. So you're away. Yeah. Yeah, I have to say, though, I don't think I would want to go anywhere else but football. <laughs> mm -hmm. it's, it's a bit, it is a bit like your comfy pair of slippers. Um, <laughs> you, know, you, you know it, like you, like say, you know, you know it, you've grown up in it, you, you, you've got so many relationships. But, you know, there's some people where you kind of, um, you know, you might not speak to them for like three or four years, you know, like an agent, and then all of a sudden you like, you know, um, you meet them again and you know like um, like Emmy's agent you know I, I dealt with loads and loads at Liverpool hadn't spoken to him for years and then it's like pops up again and it's like and again it goes back to that sort of trust point the fact that you had a really good relationship before means that then when you're kind of working with them again it's already there and yeah I kind of like that that big football family thing. So presumably on that basis uh, sometimes you'll get a name from Kieran and you'll you'll say okay and you'll look at the papers and you'll see a, a particular agent's name will there be an eye roll and kind of an exhale of breath and go oh here we go got to deal with this guy again yeah but it, it again it comes back to the kind of the adapting thing you you kind of think right okay who is this person who's their character what are they like um and um, then you kind of adapt your approach to them and, and you might kind of go, right, okay, this is how we need to, you know, approach this or tackle this. This is someone who is, a, you know, a real stickler or, or we know that their lawyer is X, Y, Z. So it's kind of like, right, we know what they're going to be looking out for. So you can kind of preempt it. And so that when the paperwork goes to them, they're like, oh, right, okay, you know, this is good. And it's like, well, yeah, because we've thought about who we're dealing with. Um, there, yeah, there, there are, there's one probably now that you'd, you'd see his name and you'd go, nah. <laughs> yeah. just wanted to touch on the recent events in america and, and the uk and, and clearly the the black lives matter movement has has really gathered pace and is you know we think uh, you know it's really positive um now with that and kind of within that conversation there's been calls locally for a statue of justin fashionu perhaps to be erected um to celebrate his life either in norwich or maybe at the football club and i know that's there's been discussions about statues and, and honouring former players before, um, but how open is the club to that in general? Not necessarily saying it would need to be Justin Fashionu, there's lots of other candidates. Um, is there a conversation to be had around that? I, th I think the club are always open to hearing um, the, the thoughts and feelings of, of supporters about their football club. Um, so, you know, it's, it's always a conversation that we, we would open um, and, you know, and be very honest um, with, with what we can do or what we can't do. Um, 
it's not something that that I've heard about. Um, so um, it's not something that you know I'd immediately be able to kind of give it give a view on. Um, but you know, there, there's no doubt that he is um, you know a, a really positive role model um, that, that's come out of Norwich City. Hmm. But to wrap up then. Uh, Zoe, we we are we're working with the club along come Norwich and Barclay and Norwich, our, our, our brothers and sisters over there, um, on trying to improve the atmosphere for the players. We you know we can't do with our voices, um, and and you know there's some plans afoot there that, that that people will see when they turn on their screens on on Friday night, um, including you know scarves being being hung down from from the railings as people come out of the tunnel, which I think is being announced very soon, probably by the time this this pod comes out. Well, um, if not now by Tom, yeah, it's <laughs> done. If not now by me, <laughs> club, club communications team are well happy with you, mate. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, they didn't get an invite to the Zoom call, did they? What, what's your feeling at the moment, and how how positive are you to, to kind of round off this chat? We're, we're going into nine cup finals or ten, um, hopefully some more more games than that as well. How how positive t- do you feel that, that the unthinkable can happen? It can happen. It can happen. We've got, we we have to be positive. You know what? What do we get from not being positive? Um, we've, you know, we've got to approach it. We've got everything to gain. Um, yeah, again, you know, the work that you guys do, you know, it just shows how much stronger we are when we kind of all pull together, all work together. You know, you, the supporters could be, you know, really angry and hurt by the fact that they can't go to games. And I know that a lot of people are, um, but you either kind of sit there and moan about it or you go, right, okay, well, how can we make this situation better? Um, you know, and, and turn it around and make it into a positive and make it a more positive environment for the players because, you know, they're, they're as gutted as anybody that they're having to play in empty stadiums. Um, you know, they, they don't want it. Um, and so, yeah, absolutely. You know, it, it is all about keeping positive, keeping going and just having a go. 